welcome into office hours. It's the 29th episode. <laughs> what? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Brent, how are you? Who's counting anyways? Like, you. Oh, I yeah. Think. I think you were keeping track. Sure. Feels like episode 80, if you ask me. But I'm Yeah, I'm great, Chris. Thanks for letting me sleep in your office this yeah. week. It's been nice. You know, Brent, when we sat down to create a podcast studio, no one said, hey, Chris, there's an airport nearby. But that would have been a great... You know, it's like when you realize years later, like, man, that was a rough relationship. How come nobody ever warned me about that? That's what I feel like about the fact that the studio's been set up next to an airport. Like, nobody said, hey, man, I know you got this place, but... And yet you've stuck with this relationship for 10 years? 15, I think, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I rethink it every time an airplane goes overhead, so it's not too often. You know, it's not, it's not, I don't really dwell on it or anything, you know? <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, start a show when an airplane's going over or anything. You know, we're going to be uh, a little glib this week. We're a little loopy because we're opening up the door to the Jupiter Broadcasting Morgue. Uh, ironically, we actually had a show named Morgue. We thought we would talk a little bit about the JB shows of past that have come and gone, why we ran them and why we killed them, and uh, some thoughts around that process. And why not start, before we get to the death of our podcast and our long journey at Jupiter Broadcasting, what if we went back to about 18, 19 years ago from the very beginning at the uh, All Things D, I think it was, the Big D Conference by Walt Malsberg and Kara Swisher, where they had guest Steve Jobs, and he wanted to introduce them to this new thing called podcasting, and he did it live up on stage. Adam Curry is uh, one of the guys that invented podcasting, and uh, he has a podcast called The Daily Source. Let me go ahead and subscribe to that, and uh, we can go listen to his latest one. You know, just click on it. I've actually had to restart the show three times. My Mac has been acting up like a mother. It's uh, something to do with uh, the file system. Okay. Now, uh, how, do you, how do you control, say, dirty stuff? Of course you would ask. Now, that was, that was the world's introduction to podcasting in the iTunes store, and that's why I got the name Podcasting, because it was really initially focused at the iPod, and you could download them like you would your CD tracks, and you could sync them over to your iPod and listen on the go, and it just took off from there. And so when we first started doing our shows, like a lot of folks that didn't want to bother with the Apple ecosystem were just burning the podcast we were releasing to CDs. Whoa. And they would listen to the CDs in the Are car. Are serious? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. And for a period of time, we even thought about offering like CDs for sale of sets of the shows for people that would be like in a little jewel case mm-hmm. that would have a little album art on the jewel case and you'd buy like a CD and it would have four f- something shows or however, however many would fit on there. I'm, I'm reacting quite violently i think to that idea but when you think about how tv shows were released back then it kind of seemed like a natural way to do it yeah and there was still bandwidth issues you know just about everybody at that time had a cd player but nobody had an ipod or an mp3 player and the mp3 player market was just a crapshoot crap devices you know i mean there was a couple gems in there that were awesome but we were really kind of just trying to get it out any way we could and the technology just didn't support it at the time we were we were eager though and I kind of am grateful that we started as early as we did because mm-hmm. we got an opportunity to try a whole bunch of things that looking back at it now just seemed like obvious looking back from this vantage point. Well, that was never going to work. Of course that wasn't going to work. But at the time. You don't know until you're in the middle of it, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> of course, most people know that we started with Linux Action Show is one of our first shows. There was Cast of Blast and a few other things we tried. But Linux Action Show was our first big show that we tried. And once we had that kind of beachhead, we thought, well, let's see what else we can do. And we tried a series of things. And I thought we'd go through a few of them. There's, we could not, we literally do not have the time to talk about all the shows that have come and gone on JB. We did a rough count of somewhere around like 26 shows. Yeah, and then you added two or three because they weren't actually listed in the places where we think yeah. they should be listed. So somewhere around, somewhere around high 20s is how many shows have come and gone. I'm not talking about active shows. Yeah, it's true, right? We're just talking about shows that have come and gone. That's a lot of shows over the years. <laughs> and for different reasons, we've tried different areas. So I thought, let's break it down by some of the categories that, that JB has tried over the years. And we, we took a few different stabs at culture stuff that's sort of geek adjacent, you might say. 
And one of the more well-known ones, but ones that I really enjoyed quite a bit, was our old show called Beer is Tasty. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Beer is Tasty. My name is Chris. Brian? That is Brian. Hi, Brian. Beer is Tasty. We're the show where we try a beer, we pair it with some food, and we tell you all about it. And now, if you haven't watched the last couple episodes of Beer is Tasty, we're doing something kind of fun. We went out and got ourselves a big old 24-pack for $18 from Costco. Costco. these oh. are the Kirkland Signature Beers. They're Costco-labeled beers. Now, they're not made by Costco directly. <laughs> they're made by, uh, specifically, Hopfen und Malz Brewing Company in San Jose, California. Now, they don't agree. The internet doesn't say that's who makes it. Who says, what's the internet say, Jeremy? What is Gordon Biersch. Gordon Biersch. Says- so we, that was one of our more popular series, was the Kirkland uh, Costco Beer Series. Because, of course, people love to go to Costco and pick up a beer. <laughs> Hadn't even consider it when we did it. Um, and we tried a few other things like Bar is Tasty in that category. Um, Women's Tech Radio. I've, I tried a few other shows in that area. But one that I think is a, a long-time listener favorite is uh, The Faux Show. And so both Beer is Tasty and The Faux Show, they kind of suffered from the same issue long-term. We, we loved both those shows a lot. And The Faux Show was special because in some ways it was sort of a spiritual successor to this what we're doing is like a show for the community beer is tasty was a show that was like a hangout with the community show like hey you're not doing linux now let's talk beer both of them kind of thought we thought would be like adjacent to the main shows but they never really picked up a lot of traction but here's an example of uh the faux show Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Faux Show. Today is Wednesday, July 25th. My name is Angela. And my name is Chris. And as most of you know, The Faux Show is not a real show. It is a social experience because I don't look at you. I look at the chat <laughs> chat room, which I have here on my iPad. Oh, good. Wait, supported by an MSI Win running Linux. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Holding it up. I have it full screen on my screen. So we'd have the chat room embedded in the video stream of the show. So this was recorded in uh, 2012, and uh, that was pretty new. People didn't really put chat rooms embedded. I didn't know anybody that did it back then. And it was a pretty, like, rickety technical setup to make it work. Right. Um, But it it was nice because the whole show was for the community. So to be able to actually have the chat embedded in the video stream. I thought it was a nice touch, and we kind of we kind of used that technique over over various shows over the years. It seems to me like you implemented all sorts of like technical gadgetry to <laughs> uh, well, probably because you had a deep personal interest in it, but also mm. it made the shows something unique. Like there's a bit of that feel sprinkled in at least the shows you've touched mm-hmm. on so far. Mm-hmm. You know, the virtual backgrounds and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, yeah one one show where uh, we tried something new technically that didn't really work out was a show called Lotso. Have you ever heard of this one? You know, I haven't even heard you talk about this one, so uh-huh. I don't know anything about it. We really took a hard stab at gaming at JB. So a lot of like over the, over the years that you've been here, you may have noticed people suggest, Oh, you guys should do a gaming show. You should do a gaming show. Oh, child. Mm-hmm. Oh, child. <laughs> we have done many gaming shows over the years. And at first we started to generalized. And this is where I think when we tried a stab at gaming, we realized specializing was going to be some part of the formula for us. But with Lotso, we had to learn that lesson first. And Lotso was a general gaming show. And the hosts, along with me, didn't actually want their faces on video. So I came up with a live silhouette system. So we would be silhouettes on the stream. We would, it was live versions of us. That's cool. But we were silhouetted out. And we would do things like talk about recent game releases or go to gaming uh, conventions. Uh, like, here's an example of an episode from, uh looks like 2010. So we're going back to 2010 now. And welcome to Legend of the Stoned Out. We like to call it Lotso. And my name is Chris. I'm Justin. And I'm Alan. All right. We are excited about tonight, you guys, because it is our PAX Roundup. Last weekend, 
We attacked PAX. I mean, seriously, we got we got all up in there. All of us went down with cameras, all kinds of stuff. We went nuts. Attacked it in the face. Now, the audio sucked back then. You know, the audio really right. sucked back then. <laughs> EQ was hard. Uh, Mini Mac, I saw you had a question go by, and I wanted to let you jump in before we keep going on. Go ahead. Yeah, I remember. I listened to the folk show. When did you stop it? Because it gives me an indication from when on I started listening to Tribute to Broadcasting. Was it four years after it started? I don't know. I can't. I can't quite remember. It, 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 I don't know if we officially ended it, but then when the Linux Academy acquisition came along, it might have kind of just been. No, it wasn't going right. I don't, no, I don't no, know if we'd officially it ended earlier. it. I don't know. I honestly, I'm looking at. I recall that it was. It was kind of a. It was that one was a hard one because it was really you know it was a show for the community and they they enjoyed it. We were both you know parents. And we were doing it in the evening and. You know, we get a couple thousand downloads, or maybe you know, it's just it's a tough call on those types of shows. Mm. The, yeah. so in the chat, they say that you stopped like around 2015. Oh, that's okay. pretty good. I've got October 30, 2015 is okay. the final episode, 227th episode. Yeah, right on. Mm. So I started probably listening to Jupiter Bartimaeus in like 2014. Yeah, nice. Ha! Long time ago. Yeah, it is. Ha! Yeah, ha! yeah. Lots of was Lots of was probably dead by then, now, right? If if I hear your voice now, it's so strange. Yeah. You sound completely different now. Well, that's true. You know, you sound like you a, young a young boy. Young boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> your ability, Chris, to track history is is not great. No, no. and we know that about you, and yeah. we love you for it. Um, well, all this, of, I, I don't it, the, the previous stuff. I don't care about any of it really. I mean, because it's my uh, old Chris stuff. I don't like what old Chris does. Yeah, it's it's a long time ago, but lots of last episode, August 15, 2011. All right. Then we kind of from there, you know, we we specialized a bit. We did Stoked, which was our Star Trek online podcast. That was a blast. You, I want you to really dig into this one because really? almost every time I'm here, it comes up at some point. But also, we've been watching a lot of Star Trek this visit, at least yeah. for me being here this last week. Yeah, or with so. with Picard and the Enterprise F uh, getting a, like a little showcase. I think it's been on our mind just because that whole journey of designing that starship was covered in Stoked, and so it was kind of a fun thing to go back like ten years and be like, here's when the community member originally created this enterprise and now it's in the t- it's on the tv shows you know uh it was a huge it was a huge production I, I i just i guess i would just say people should go check it out if they're curious at all i wouldn't bother but <laughs> but what was the premise of stoke uh we got a really early start on, tra- on on following the star trek online video game six months before it even came out we got kind of an exclusive access to it just because of being at a game event and so we tracked this game and it was really, it was a dramatic following because the game had died then it had been rescued and then kind of a rug pull because the entire engine got changed out. But then people were still like, you know, happy to have a Star Trek game and the story of this plucky little gaming shop that ended up having a success and then got bought and then went through that change and just covered all of that. Plus like my co-host got hired by the damn, by the damn game company because he was such, he was so good at the game. <laughs> That's and hilarious. He's still working there. All of that, you know, learning how to do a, that's one where we really went all in on video production too. And uh, it was a lot of fun to do that. But ultimately with a lot of these gaming shows, they are really specific to an audience and that show could only ever be as big as the game could be. And that was a hard limit. And that was even if you got, you know, a good percentage of the gamer base to watch the show. But I guess given that limit, it sounds like from what we were exploring last night, you were telling me all sorts of stories uh, that it was a deeply tight knit community mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, drove some of the JB forums to evolve because of it. A lot of these shows involve a long struggle of deciding when it is time to end them. I'm thinking that's what's, that's what's really sticking out with me right now is God, it was hard to decide to kill that show, but obviously looking back at it, it's so necessary that because every show takes time, energy, stress, focus, dedication, grit, Right. Like every week, it's just to do it every week. It, it's it's it can be it's it's a relationship. It's like being in a relationship. It requires constant work all the time. And you're really the more you the more relationships you take on, the more you're spread out. Right. And that is doing podcast as well. Not not to mention most of these were video produced shows. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think stoked in particular, you did some really mm-hmm. cool. Spent a lot of time. We'd spend we'd we'd spend. All day Saturday until the evening, you know, recording, streaming, editing. And then I would get up Sunday and spend all day Sunday doing the same thing for Linux Action Show. And so that Saturday was from crack of dawn till after sunset. 
And so was Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, every week, two big, huge shows, Linux action show and stoked. And we got, we draw huge audiences for the live stream, two, 3000 people for wow. the live stream. It was huge. <laughs> um, so it was rewarding in that sense. It was like, wow, we really, we seem to be hitting some success here, but it became just untenable after it was uh, like 127 episodes for stoked mm. and you know, many more for Linux action show. But then we kind of realized, well, we could focus it on quality and we could focus in on execution a bit more if we did audio. And the audio seems to be doing a little bit better. So there were trial balloons into audio as well. And one of the shows that I wanted to try, for whatever reason, forever, is I wanted to do a daily show. And Tech Talk Today seemed like the opportunity to do that. So usually Tech Talk Today would be myself and a co-host, and we'd be just discussing the tech news of the week or of the day, depending on the era of Tech Talks. We tried both. And I tried in that episode to really embrace the audio format. And uh, I'll, I'll play a sample of episode 263. It looks like it went on to archive.org in 2018. And this is the episode in 2018. I remember this moment. I had a real aha moment. Now, this is a bit ago now, but I had a real aha moment that Amazon was about to just take over everything and they were going to explode. And it was their acquisition of Ring Doorbell that really made me put it all together. And so that's what this episode of Tech Talk Today was about. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 263. Who's there? It's Jamie. Here to pitch? Who? It's Jamie. Come in. Sharks, wouldn't it have been nice to know who was behind the door before you let me in? With my product, you can. My name is Jamie Simonoff. I'm from Los Angeles, California. My product is the DoorBot. I'm seeking $700,000 for a 10% stake in the company. Consumers are currently spending billions of dollars. In November of 2013, an entrepreneur named Jamie pitched his idea for a smart doorbell on the reality show Shark Tank. But every judge turned him down. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I just don't think it's for me. I'm out. Jamie forged ahead with the concept, and news broke this week that Amazon is buying his company, Ring, for over a billion dollars. Amazon has agreed to buy Ring, a California-based smart home company that makes video cameras, doorbells, and other security tech. The deal is valued at about a billion dollars and helps push Amazon further into the smart home market. And why would Amazon want a video doorbell, besides the obvious of getting into home delivery? It's all about going deeper into our homes. Don't think about what Ring is selling today. Think about what they're going to be selling tomorrow. Uh, but big picture-wise, what people don't realize is the next set of products coming out of Ring. And those products are going to be alarms. That's Jason Calacanis. Uh, so they're going to uh, take the cameras and the alarms and put it together. And the big loser in this will be ADT and those kind of folks who people hate and to charge thousands of dollars to set up a system and then charge you for a four-year contract at $100 a month. People absolutely hate that company. And now there's new products that are coming out where there's nothing down, 20, 30 bucks a month for the service to let the alarm company know, and you can install it yourself. So, But it's not just home security or package delivery. It's clear that Amazon wants to own our homes. Uh, in, in, in this particular case, it's clear that Amazon wants to own the home. That's Eric Caput. And they want to own the home so that not only do you have all the security and the smart home features, but that it's so easy for you to order anything you need, and then it's delivered right into your home. So it's a, it's a closed loop. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful strategy. Yeah, ADT's down uh, almost 6%. And the experts who used to go on about how Amazon never earns a profit... Well, that's changed. Let's get to the revenue. $60.5 billion. That is a beat. And that was just last quarter. The Amazon machinery is geared up and ready to win 2018. And Amazon is in a stronger position than they've ever been. And quite frankly, I think this, you know, this is part of the reason that they're going to open this HQ2 and hire another 50,000 employees. Um, it's because yeah. at the end of the day, their, their goal is world domination. I've always loved kind of putting together episodes where you can use a bunch of different audio for that sort of stuff. So that's what I, I enjoyed like going to a little more general tech just because I could, uh, I could pull in all those different things and tell a complete story about, you know, from here to there. Um, but there are so many people doing 
tech news coverage that it's just not something people needed from Jupiter Broadcasting. Right. And I didn't need to be spending that much time doing a show that people didn't need something for. I wanted Tech Talk today to work out. You know, I, I stuck with it for quite a while. We did a couple of different iterations of it, too, to see if they'd be successful. Um, but it just wasn't in the wheelhouse of topics that people wanted to hear from JB. And as a podcaster, it's like, oh, but this is really what I want to do. This is so hard. This is, this is where I direction I want to go. And everybody's like, yeah, good job. But it's not really for me. And you, you know, like you could get really upset about it. Or you could be like, well, what is it they do want? And try to think about that and be like, okay, what have I, what have I missed here? Right. So how do you decide whether that's a factor of just that show or that it's because of the audience that you've built up? you know, with the current list of shows and you're trying something new and yeah. you just, you know, how do you know how long to I give a show to I, I would get reframe to the, the I think the, the way to, I would reframe the question to be, uh, what is worth spending your time on? And, um, could you maybe grind out tech talk today for a thousand episodes and, and build a whole new audience? Maybe, but then you're also competing against a thousand other general mm. tech podcasts. So you're saying pick a niche that you love and that works well and that you could, that you can actually commit to yeah. and then, you know, st stay, stick to it. But it, I think it doesn't, it, that makes it sound simpler than it is because you, you kind of have to discover a little bit. Like we, we, uh, we tried, you know, TechSnap was, was pretty well received for a while, but even there, it was sort of like a really general tech show. It mm -hmm. kind of got a little long and started like drop off started happening in the later parts. Now, you know, with that one too, it was, there is just kind of a natural end to a show after like 300 episodes or whatever it might be for a particular show. So it sort of depends, but for tech talk, it was, this isn't the right market fit. Uh, plan B is another example where, um, plan B was a, a Bitcoin podcast 10 years ago, talking 10, 11 years ago, talking about Bitcoin and security issues and scammers and all that kind of stuff, which also has one of my favorite intros. Maybe I should play it. Cause I really like the intro to plan B. I, I thought it kind of, matched up perfectly with uh, a show about Bitcoin and uh, was an opportunity to kind of do like an audio video hybrid kind of style. Episode 16 for July 23rd, 2013. Welcome to Plan B, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show contemplating the future and present of Bitcoin with insights for the novice, shop talk for the expert, and opinionated discussion for the interested observer of Bitcoin and related technologies. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is my co-host, Drew. Well, hello, Drew. Hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> That's the craziest intro I think we've ever done. That's good, though. I didn't it's think you had it in you because it's so warm where you're at. Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty tired, so just uh, just carry me on through the show. We'll be fine. Well, I'll tell you, it is getting a little warm over here, too. In fact, my wife and I have dubbed my recording room as the fish tank because uh, the uh, the steam comes in from the grass into my office and makes everything wet and damp in here. So if, uh, if something oh, zaps out, ugh. it's because it got a little too moist. That doesn't oh. sound good at all. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that sounds awful. <laughs> you know, in a way, I kind of wish I hadn't killed Plan B because wouldn't it be something to be doing a Bitcoin podcast now? Uh, this, so we're... Uh, we're watching the video version in studio of this, and I had a price ticker on mm, the video. That's fun. One Bitcoin was $94.80 when we recorded this episode of Plan B back in 2013. Well, you should say what it currently is so 10 years from now when you're listening to oh, this good episode. Point. Right now, it's worth $27,612. Somewhere around, it's been nipping $30,000 for the last couple of weeks. Pretty wild to watch that and to watch that transformation. So some part of me wishes I could have... I could have stuck with it. How did you decide for plan B specifically that it wasn't working or was it working for a while? Yeah, actually it was. It's, um, it's, it's a good, this is a good lesson. I think this is one of the harder ones too, is, um, if plan B hadn't died, I never would have started Linux unplugged. Huh. So the next Tuesday that we paused plan B, I started Linux unplugged and I never went back. So it's, but how did you decide to even make that transition? Like, how did you know that was the moment that 
had to change. Um, it didn't. So my co-host needed to like go finish up school for a bit and travel. And so he was going to, we were going to take like a two or three month break. And so I thought, well, I have all these emails from Linux action show that I need to read. So I'll just get on air, hang out with the community. I think we tried Google hangouts the first time or some, okay. something, Google circles, Google plus related, whatever. And it, and then uh, just read emails. And then that became Linux unplugged and it's been going every week since plan B ended just TikTok like a clock. And I think what it shows you is there's an opportunity cost to each one of these shows. Each show has an opportunity cost. We couldn't have our biggest show if I had kept doing plan B. Now would plan B have turned into a ginomer show? Yes, but it probably also would have changed the entire trajectory of this network. Right. Um, it's funny because podcasters that have been doing Bitcoin podcasts for a few years now are considered like OG long timers. Right. And I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> well, I, didn't someone like steal the artwork and call? Their oh, yeah. Thing yeah. There's B? a social media influencer that that took the artwork and, and, and calls themselves Plan B now, too. There is that. Um, but with the death of Plan B came, you know, Linux Unplugged, which is still going to this day. And has been a plan C. Yeah. <laughs> we had a bunch. I mean, there's so many shows I'm not mentioning like Cybite and uh, all those, but I thought how to Linux might be worth talking before we wrap mm. this segment up because I felt like how to Linux was one of our later iterations of a, of a shot in the dark that we tried where we realized we need to be focusing on Linux. So what could we do in Linux that would be a worthy video show? What if we wanted to make something f- purpose built for video that was Linux focused and I'm going to put a link to this in the in the show notes because I'd like to know the listener's opinion on how to Linux, on how it holds up. I wonder if it holds up or not, if we were onto something or not. We only gave it four episodes. Four. It was we just it was a massive. I mean, we were we were shooting on location and in studio, and we were doing entire how tos that were incredibly like hard to like wow. work through yeah. and then figure out a way to shoot them. And make them simplified, and then you got to shoot that visually. You got to like shoot a that. week of pre-production for each yeah. episode. So we committed to doing a batch of them, and we'd see how the audience response was. Ironically, the audience response at the time pretty lukewarm, uh, and that's why one of the reasons we decided not to do it. However, preparing for this episode, looking back at it, episode one now has a hundred and thirteen thousand views on YouTube, <laughs> no and episode two has like forty thousand views or thirty thousand views or something like that. So it seems like that this show oddly has found an audience years later, which I thought was funny. This is a visual show, but I think the audio will work. We do have a copy of the uh, the visual on YouTube linked in the notes, though, for uh, the podcast audience that wants to check it out. But I think it still works. You'll get a you'll get a general sense of the vibe without the sweet pan of downtown Seattle which already looks old and retro. You know, technology like our world is ever-changing. Once was closed off by big billion-dollar corporations, have now been opened up by awesome communities and the price of free. You know, for 15 years plus, I've been involved in technology, administrating systems from Windows to OS X. But now I've heard of something new, something awesome, something open, and something free, and it's called Linux. My name is Chase Nunes, and I'm switching to Linux. This episode of How To Linux is brought to you by Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash howto and participate in the summer of learning. Get a 33% discount for the next three months. What is Linux Academy? It is the place you can go at So you can see this one, we're a little more on theme, right? So we've got the Ronald Jenkins music. It's Linux-focused. We've got the Linux Academy sponsor and a how-to podcast. Makes a lot of sense. It's starting to make a little more sense. You can start to see how the lessons are starting to come together. You're starting to focus, sharpen the pencil, and... Uh realize what works yeah and uh, and apparently this did work looking at it in retrospect to a degree um i even like the graphics package still i actually think the graphics package we use for the show still kind of holds up all these years later and here's chase driving making the jump to linux and first there are many different flavors of it right there's ubuntu there's arch there's these other ones i haven't even heard of so i gotta figure out what i'm gonna pick there is somebody i can call on there's somebody that i know that i that can really help me and uh i'm gonna head there now I think he's going to be the one to help. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Hey, Chase. Hey, Chris. By the way, 
This is Chris Fisher. He hey, guys. He is the host of the world's largest Linux podcast. <laughs> oh, brother. He'll stop it right there. Jeez. But so we had this thing where I was like the Linux doctor, and he had these problems. And legitimately, one of his original issues when switching was there's so many damn distros. Like, I don't want to switch to Linux because I don't want to make the wrong choice. And so we thought, all right, that'll be episode one. How do you pick a distro? Uh, I think we're still asking that question. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely still are asking that question. No doubt about it. Um, and so it was kind of like, all right, so this worked, but video seemingly wasn't gaining traction. Uh. I don't know. Um, and then through that, and of course, the sunsetting of Linux Action Show, we kind of now have landed on the lineup that we have today, the format we have today. And of course, we're looking at a whole other set of, set of changes for 2023. Uh, where a lot of more hard decisions are going to have to be made. That mostly, though, is just due to the advertising market collapsing. Is that a set of decisions that are quite a bit different than some of these other shows? No, not really. I mean, I don't feel like it. I feel like it's a lot of the same, like, oh, we could kill this show, but people really like it. It does. I mean, the thing that's harder this time is the shows, all the shows do pretty well, which is a good problem, right? But in the past, you could look at, you could look at the numbers and go, well, this one's clearly not performing. So that's the obvious one to kill, but we've never only killed just on numbers. We never really have gone in there and just axed it because it's not doing great. We've, we always take in like community engagement and other potential stuff like that. So it's always been really hard. And then afterwards, after like a year or so, it's always like, Oh, that was so obvious. And then like the first few months, it's really rough people, you know, cause everybody comes out of the woodwork, listens to that show. And I always feel really guilty because I remember when Voyager ended and it crushed me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's that. But there's so many, there's just, there's such a a, a unique and um, horrible back catalog that is slowly but surely getting worked at. Um, so we may have updates on how you could get to some of this stuff, but we do have some links in the show notes for some of the things that we played today and others that we didn't get a chance to play. So if you do want to check out some of the old crap for some reason, uh, I don't recommend it, but you can linode.com slash jupiter head on over to linode right now hey brent see how fast you can get it to linode.com slash jupiter because you know when you go there you get a hundred dollars and 60 day credit on a new account and it's a great way to try out linode and you know they are growing like crazy because they're now part of akamai and akamai has got the resources of course all the things we like like the tooling the ui the api the cli all that is staying the same uh they're just going to help make it better and bigger, give them more resources, expand the data center reach, um, and of course, offer us more cool plans as well. I think that's in the works. They have this concept, which I imagine we'll be talking about more soon, about these micro Linode data centers. So they got like plans for another dozen data centers this year, but then for areas that they don't have like an official data center, they're working on this micro data center standard where you can stand up like a little data center instance. I don't know, it sounds really cool. You combine that with all the documentation, the fantastic support, and the $100 credit, and it's a way to support the network. Why not go to linode.com slash Jupiter right now and experience the power of Linode, now Akamai. It's linode.com slash Jupiter. And go learn how Linode, now Akamai, can help scale your applications from the cloud all the way to the edge. And I'm talking like way out there, like even Brent's house. <laughs> hey, now. You could do it. Linode.com slash Jupiter. Well, I think I want to do, uh, I think, an honorable mention sure. or two. All right. Uh, I hear these two shows mentioned quite a bit at our meetups, and I got to agree. Okay. Choose Linux comes up quite often. It's oh, yeah. like very listener-loved as a show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, for good reason. I think there were some cool explorations on there. You mentioned you know, choosing a distro and stuff like that, and that mm-hmm. was a great show that explored it. Yeah. Both for beginners and and folks who uh, just want to stay up to date with things. So, indeed, that was an uncer- unceremonious end to choose Linux. Mm. Unfortunately, it was just a business thing that yeah the people that owned us at the time decided. <clears throat> so sad. Yeah. Uh, What's the other one? I think the one the other one that sticks out for me is User Air. Oh yeah, it was sure. like a show like no other, mm-hmm. and uh, great music. Yeah, and love the just... end song on User Air. Love oh, yeah. that new music. <laughs> and we just hilarious like hanging out with your friends kind of show mm-hmm. and i think that's really hard to pull off but some somehow the combination uh between the hosts that just really they worked that's another show that never performed the way we hoped yeah. it would yeah i think maybe they're uh 
longtime JV listeners will know what I mean. There, sometimes there are shows that, you know, a huge swath of people can really learn something from and enjoy. And sometimes it's just like the super fan shows. I mean, maybe Office Hours is one of those where, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it'll only get so many numbers, but the people who listen are uh, diehard fans. So, <clears throat> yeah. And it's then it comes down to do we have the time and energy concentration mm-hmm. to, to spare? And when we do, and when we can, we will, you know, keep it on the air, even if it doesn't get the biggest numbers. One last one. It's Friday. Oh, the Friday stream. <laughs> my One of my favorites. I had so much fun. That was really a highlight for me, getting the whole team together, or yeah. as many of the team members as we could on a Friday, That everybody that was around, and uh, sitting down and doing a stream and talking about whatever, doing crazy antics. See, that was like a show just <clears throat> for the folks that worked in JB. Mm-hmm. And, it was like uh, a team building thing, really. The fact, yeah, and it was, uh, I tried to go listen to some of the introductions to some of the shows we we're going to talk about today oh, just yeah, to get yeah. reminded. Uh-huh. And uh, I loved how with that show it was just different every single week. Oh yeah, it was yeah. totally like some great choices by cheese mm-hmm. on uh, song suggestions and stuff. I feel like I'm not doing the network justice and choosing songs, but uh, you know, maybe I can learn a thing or two from cheese. <laughs> you got to just get a back channel going to cheese. Another show that we did uh, different intros, a couple of shows, but, one that comes to mind is Jupiter at Night because for a period of time, my co-host Jeremy would sing the intros. <clears throat> no way. <laughs> yeah, he'd sing them. And uh, I wonder if we could find it. Uh, <laughs> That's great. And he was he had a pretty good singing voice. Wow. Yeah. I'm so, impressed. And so we again, that was another, yeah, it doesn't really come up. These things are so old now, they're even hard to find. Like, they're just basically falling off the internet. If you go to archive.org, you can usually find them. But geez, that's arduous. But we, you know, and also there's another show we did called Joint Failures, um, where my buddy John and I would do a different intro every time. What was I going to look up? Oh, uh, Jupiter at Night. I wonder if we could find us a, uh, a version of uh, Jeremy belting it. You think? I'm looking in our uh, super secret archive here. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess the last episode was titled Needs More Cowbell. So I think you get a <laughs> sense of what it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, let's get into the boost. And Marcel comes in as our booster, our baller booster, is this week with 20,000 sats. JB has the best sponsors. Thanks for keeping it on theme. I just heard an ad for a factory TV dinner and a Linux sysadmin podcast. I know the sponsor scene is pretty bleak right now. I'm hoping my boost and Jupiter.party subscription help you say no a little more often. Mm, Thank you, Marcel. That's very kind. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah, you know, it's a small business, and um, I do do estimate we're going to have about probably half the ad load uh, that we had that we have today in probably at the end of the quarter or uh, at the beginning of H2, depending on when the contracts for different sponsors end. And um, that means, a you know, 50% cut in sponsor revenue, which is our largest source of funding. So we will be seemingly pausing one or more shows um, that we can figure out and kind of move things around to keep going. And then the shows that remain, will be the shows that get the most boosts and, and membership uh, uh, just because um, there is a base cost to running them and base cost to just keeping the business going. And then if we can get that covered, I will live a lean life. I mean, I already do. So I'm probably, I may, yeah, you know, it's going to be a rough year for me and it's probably going to have many years of consequences. But my thought is, is we'll keep it lean and mean, keep the stuff that we can going. And then when things turn around, we bring back, we bring back those shows and whatnot. Um, and maybe not all of them come back. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. We'll just see how the market recovers maybe early next year if we're lucky. Uh, Linux Teamster comes in with uh, 5,000 sats, who also sent me some great ESP gadget tips. Ooh. He said he loved having uh, Michael on and hope he comes back soon. I agree. It's always nice to check in with old friends mm-hmm. and uh, see what they're up to and chat with them and get another podcaster's perspective. Speaking of another podcaster, Mere Mortals podcast comes in, which we were listening to on the drive down today, with a uh, adorable row of ducks. Our first uh, row of ducks that I'm I'm at least playing a sound effect for. And they write, oh no, I started my podcast in 2019, 2020, and 2021. I'm right in the multi-danger zone. The danger zone. Danger. Yeah, we were talking about how podcasts that launched in those years seem to be fading at a high rate. But you've been in podcasting for a while. Can you tell which ones will last 10 plus years? when they're less than a few years old? That's such a great question. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this last night, and uh, this question, and um, 
I think my, what was my answer? My answer is I couldn't tell you which ones are going to last, but I can definitely tell you which ones aren't. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, 70% of them. Yeah. I can listen to, oh yeah, this thing. Yeah, no. I, and you know, it's so obvious too. Like, oh, I can listen to a podcast. I can tell you nobody's going to listen to it too. Well, what, what, okay. Can you distill that into like, I don't know, two, three factors that are guaranteed misses or disclosure. Okay. I really suck at this. <laughs> I like, I struggle to learn something. I learn it. I internalize it. And then I cannot really even identify the fact that I do it. But if I were to think about it, I would think, um, you, you know, how cohesive the hosts are, the energy level, uh, how prepared everybody seems and the, the amount of energy they were willing to put into the show before time. You know, you can tell when one host is under prepped and one host is over prepped. That mismatch and dynamic will cause resentment between the hosts and cause things to fall apart. If one host is putting all the work in and the other host is just sort of dragging their ass and showing up, inevitably, unless there's some sort of prearrangement or structure, inevitably that that causes conflict. You could also just kind of tell, like, if they're not putting the effort into the quality, if they're not really thinking about the show very much or thinking deeply about it, those types of things. Um, I've noticed as well, sometimes, you know, they got great ideas for the first three, yep. five episodes, yeah. and then you're <laughs> listening to episode 10 and it's like, wait, there's no topic yeah. here. And then sometimes, you know, what, what I think if you've, if you've ever wondered why do all these podcasters have so many podcasts, like, do you know any professional full-time podcaster that doesn't have multiple podcasts? Uh, I know Rogan. I know them and <clears throat> sure. Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, but Rogan kind of doesn't count because he also does the fight stuff and he does like the Netflix comedy okay. stuff. So he's doing a lot of stuff, right. For income. But somebody who just does full-time podcasting, they inevitably launch mm. multiple podcasts. They, they, they inevitably grow horizontally. So why is that? I would guess it's because of revenue. The more shows equals more data. More ad inventory. So uh, you can only have so many ads in a podcast. Like this one could probably have one more. We have one ad. I didn't want to overdo it. This one has one ad because it's a show for the community. And the reality is... You can really fit two, maybe three ads in an hour-long podcast before it gets really obnoxious and you better do it right. Then it becomes YouTube, right? <laughs> right. So at that point, you got to have more podcasts because you could still have sponsors knocking on your door. Or you could have, maybe you're good at selling. You need more inventory. Well, the only way to get more inventory is to scale out horizontally and have more podcasts. But then you have all these new relationships and they're all requiring your energy and your time and your thought. And, you know, like when you have three, four, five shows, you're never able to spend an entire week thinking about the next episode. But that's the audience expectation. If you only listen to Office Hours or Linux Unplugged, your expectation is, is that we're all in on that show and we're, we're, that's what we're thinking about and working on all the time. And so that's the pressure we feel. So that's what we try to deliver. But the reality is each show gets that level of attention. And it's not human. It's not sustainable by a human long term. The podcasts scale out to make money, and then they kind of become this massive weight of production. Then you have to scale up the team to help support these shows you have running, which then increase your costs, which then means you need more sponsors, which means you need more ad inventory. And what you ultimately get in this model is the mainstream media. That's where you end up. I don't like it. Right. So uh, that's why I'm not really interested in running. What did, what did uh, Marcel call them? I think it was toothpaste or yeah, it was something like, yeah, like some sort of factory toothpaste delivery or TV dinners or something like I'm not interested in, in toothpaste delivery commercials or anything like that. Right. Like, could you imagine getting up nice and early before a show showing up at the studio and yeah, could you, could you spend 18 years building something, <laughs> right? Making your own career, building your own business, just so you could come in there and sell toothpaste. How would you feel about that? It's not good. It doesn't feel good. So it's minty fresh. <laughs> Maybe it's good toothpaste. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, ha I guess the question I have is like, okay, you're so many podcasts this year are at the mercy of, you know, just less advertising. Mm. So we'll see necessarily some of them vanish could whether be a, by choice or not. Could be a good year for value for value adoption. You know, like, um, seems like, we're going to be testing a lot of these ideas we've been talking about. We also don't know how long this like drought sponsored drought will last. Mm. So, and you have to imagine too, like the audience is probably feeling pretty tight because oh, yeah. things are feeling oh, yeah. tight for me these oh, days. Of course. And so that's, so that even though, so the sponsor markets collapsed, but we don't really know 
where they, you know, how much support we can get from the audience yet. So that's kind of what's going to scale it, not sponsors. And then if the sponsor market improves, what I would love to do is build back where like the sponsor revenue is like 30%, not mm-hmm. 70%. Right. So we build, we just build a replacement for that sponsor revenue. So when the, when the market recovers, then we engage with sponsors. Maybe, maybe some sponsored episodes, like I still, you know, a sponsor like Linode is such a great fit. It just seems obvious, right? Like, yeah. so some sponsor, like Tailscale, some sponsorships just make sense. But maybe other sponsorships might make a sense more for like sponsoring an event or a trip that we go on or Linux Fest, right? Something that is, we work with them on a set project for a period of time. Then we move on and it's not like they're in the show all the time mm. or something. Like, there could be something there too where, because costs and payroll are being covered by value for value from the audience, we bring that in and it's like, okay, this pays for these upgrades or this pays for that trip or, you know, something like that. And it's kind of a different relationship with sponsors, not as directly impacted on content and things like that. Or maybe, you know, and, and with a mix of something else, I don't know. I think it will be a hybrid model, but I would like to turn the dial down on the sponsorship stuff. And if going through basically a drought or a famine for for this year and early next year is is the way there. If I'm doing this for the next 15, 20 years, I'll, I guess I'll take that. It's the long game. Yeah. I'm playing the long game. Yeah. Well, at what point uh, is JB going to sell like the JB yacht and that condo <laughs> we have in Tokyo? And... Right. We have all this property. These right, we'll just sell off these. Uh, don't forget all those office spaces that we set up with microphones yeah, and yeah. yeah. With sound insulation. We've never used them. Never well, I've never even been there, but we might have. Seemed like Matt might need it. Yeah. And I wanted to get I wanted to buy it while the prices were high. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we'll just sell those and be fine. Uh Yelp Derp or Yelp Dep comes in. I don't know. Not didn't get that right at all. But like, you know what? It's a hot boost with six thousand sats. Coming in hot with the boost. Um, and uh, they're using fountain. First time boosting. I've been using fountain for a while now, switching to podverse to give that a try. So I'm emptying out my fountain. Earn sats. Been loving many of your shows and I've uh, giving back. Thanks for the hard work. Well, thank you. You know, this is something we get from time to time when people move podcast apps. And, I, you know, I mentioned it is a lightning network. It is an open network. You could send the sats from Fountain <laughs> to Podverse. I'm also not going to say no to your sats. And I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that you think of us when you're doing this. It so, is sweet. Um, it's funny because I've seen this from time to time. I'm recently back on Fountain. Still love Podverse, but back on Fountain just to see what they're up to. Uh, and I kind of, I do bounce around and Castomatic on the iPhone is pretty great. I made this comparison in LUP this week and I, I think it is actually apt as I feel very much like I used to do back in the Mandrake days of Linux where I would try a desktop distro and I'd love it. But then another desktop distro would solve a problem. And I'd be like, oh, look at this new config system they have or whatever. So I'd switch over to that distro for a while and I'd be like, oh, but I'm really ready to try this new you know, I think it was just KD4 or whatever. I really, really tried this new desktop and all right, I'll go try this distro for a while. And I would move around, but because it's all Linux, it's all open source, it's it's portable. You know, it's it's doable. It's and, curiosity leapfrogging. And it's just innovation at a rapid pace. And that's yeah. where these podcasting 2.0 apps. It's an exciting time. It is. It, it is really neat to see after essentially 18, 15 years of stagnation. Mm-hmm. Gene Bean comes in with 8,540 sats across three boosts. He says, gee, I wonder if there's a tool that allow you to transcribe all your episodes so that you could search the text <laughs> for where the fighter jet story was told. <laughs> Maybe you'd hear someone whispering about it oh. on podcastindex.social. Oh. Ah. This is a bit of a dig at our not being able to uh, remember which, time remember yeah. which episode or which show even that we had mentioned that story. <laughs> where are spazzes? Yeah, um, we are playing with Whisper. We don't have it all set up. It's there's so many projects. Makes me want to go to sleep. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We do need something that just auto transcribes everything, puts it into a search, and then we just look for Brent's crazy fighter jet story. And even wouldn't it be better if it was something that was like maybe a bit of a large language model on top of it, so it could understand, so we could just say, "Hey, when did Brent share a fighter jet story?" You know, it's crazy that six months ago we were talking about this, like integrating Whisper and all these other technologies into the website. And uh, you just wait a little bit and all of a sudden you've got even more possibility. We just want, need yeah. to get ourselves, our butts off the sofa. And <laughs> That's why we got to implement it because the longer we wait, the more we can think of. <laughs> uh, Gene continues with the row of ducks. Maybe one day you can talk to Michael and crew about adding value for value revenue streams too. Oh. I don't think they see past the quote, it's crypto to the real point that it's just a way for us to contribute directly and quickly 
and can be easily converted right back to dollars. Yeah, you're right. This is something I think people forget is that the sats are digital and you could so quickly convert them that if you just wanted to take the boost and cash them out, you could. Uh, we had a little fun last yeah. week when we didn't have office hours. Uh, we traveled out to a place to get some tacos, a little hole in the wall here near the studio that I wanted to take Brent to. And I decided that uh, we would try as a bit of an experiment to take some of the sats that were boosted in on the node and buy the tacos with the sats, sat tacos. And there's probably a thousand ways to solve this, but man, did I not just have the easiest time doing this part. I have the Zeus wallet on Android, but it's also available for iOS. That'll connect directly to my node. It'll even manage some of the lightning. It sees all, all the lightning channels. It's really cool. And from the Zeus app, which was connected to my node over Tailscale, I sent like the, I don't know what it was. It was $30 worth of sats. I sent those sats instantly over lightning to the cash app. Immediately shows up in the cash app. It's so awesome. It just feels like magic. And then in the cash app, it's like one or two taps to sell those sats. So I instantly then converted those sats to cash. And I have a cash app debit card, which is, they, they'll ship you a physical debit card, but it also will create a payment card in Apple Pay or Google Pay, whatever you might have. And so you have, if you go to a terminal that allows for wireless payment, you can pay with your phone. So in 15 seconds or so or less, I sent the sats from my node over Lightning to the cash app, instantly sold the sats to cash, went in with my phone and paid for the tacos using Apple Pay. And we bought sat tacos. And, you know, you could argue, sure, you didn't pay with sats. And you're right. I didn't. If the terminal was updated with a new experimental firmware that supports lightning payments, I could have. But I actually think one of the powerful things about a, a truly decentralized digital currency is that I can convert it instantly into any other currency. That's one of its powerful attributes. I could also go and get it in exchange for something else, but I chose cash, right? But it could have been euros or could have been some sort of Canadian loony thing or whatever. <laughs> could have done that. And I chose USD and I did it instantly. And I was able to load it on a debit card immediately because as soon as it's cash in the cash app, it's on the debit card and go do a, a phone payment and buy those dang tacos. It was awesome. And so I, I really feel like if you're not, even open to the idea of boosts, you're kind of just leaving a great, great connection on the table. Because I was telling Brent last night as we were kind of pondering what to do in office hours that even if something went crazy and Bitcoin went to zero, and I, I literally cannot conceive of a scenario where that happens, because I was going to say, even if Bitcoin had some major flaw and everybody panicked and it went to zero, they would patch that flaw, everybody would upgrade, and the price would skyrocket again, right? It's a peer-to-peer -peer system. Uh, the only way to get rid of Bitcoin is to turn off the internet. It is literally that toothpaste is not going back in the tube. But let's just have a scenario where Bitcoin completely collapses and they just shut down the Bitcoin network. You know, turn this thing off. I wouldn't regret the boosts for a second. Mm. That's, that's, a, that's a great metric. It's that connection. It's those messages from the community. Yeah, it's created this ecosystem of like just i mean it's it's rightly named a boost because we we feel a boost every time we read them and interact with them and we get to talk about it right back it's super fun and, I, and something we don't mention enough because it's just so transparent and automatic that we don't have to deal with it but it's the it's the splits you know when you boost into this show brent gets a split thank you i get a split drew gets a split the network gets a split all automatically all transparently it's listed right there in the rss feed you can go get a visual of it on the podcast index. You know, um, no backroom deal of like, okay, well, this sponsor is going to pay this much on this show. You get this percentage and the audience is no transparency to any of that, which is the norm. And with the boost, it's just, it's transparent by default. I mean, sure, we could have some sort of backroom deal where 100% of the sats goes to the network and then we divvy them out. But why not take advantage of the native technology and make it obvious and transparent? There's no... There's no like confusion about it. It's, it's so awesome. And the splits are going to be such a big deal. I think the time value lock splits that they talked about in the podcasting mm. 2.0 show this last episode, where now when you're playing, once the, once all the podcast clients update, they'll, you, a specific section of the podcast 
can have a split that goes like 80, 90% to one person. So, so say fun. you want to play a song, right? That split during that song goes to them. And then when the song ends, it's back to the regular set. That's really what YouTube needs. Instead of just banning your video altogether because you played, I don't know, the Eagles or something, that is the solution. I can't believe they're not thinking of that a little bit more uh, aggressively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, that is also part of Gene's follow-up boost is that, it's, that that time value lock is becoming part of the spec. You know, we did have a question in one of the Matrix rooms this week. Oh, yeah? And I think it's related to this topic. I- uh, the question was... Hey, as a listener, how can I, is there a way that I could see every boost that's been sent into JB to just kind of follow along on that at their own pace? That's a good question. Um, by function in the fountain app. Yes. So if you use fountain, you can go to the boost and you should see the boost from all of the apps in fountain. Now, um, there, there does seem to be a little more traction about cross app lightning comments taking off. There's been a lot of discussion about which way to do standardized cross-app comments. Fountain kind of went all in on Lightning. And we're just going to use Lightning and Lightning messages and comments in the app in, in there are Lightning-based. And it does seem to be working for them. So I think that success they're having is having some kind of effect on the rest of the podcasting 2.0 community. So we may eventually see the Boo Show across all shows. Um, outside of that, I mean, conceivably there would be a way to build a tool that could read the blockchain, of course. Sure, sure. But outside of that, if you're not in the value split chain, I don't think so. I'm probably wrong, though. But not that I know of off the top of my head, other than the Fountain app. Hmm. But if other apps implement the cross-app lightning comment stuff, then any app that has that. Because it is all out there. It is. Uh, Dasha comes in with 9,494 sats across two boosts. You love seeing Michael on the show. He loves uh, podcasting crossovers, as he says, um, and uh, that uh, he loves seeing people that are part of the JPU, the Jupiter Podcasting Universe. Nice. <laughs> he says he'd also be see he'd be. He says he would also be sad to see office hours go, but if it's draining or otherwise hurting uh, lives or JB, it makes sense. Maybe a middle ground. It would be once a month or something like that, just so we can wean off. Just an idea. He goes on to say, I can't remember if this was suggested before, but Drops of Jupiter could be a cool new name if you're still looking. Mm. Might have some SEO conflict there. Uh, He followed up to second uh, Brandon's Bits from last show. Uh, The work you put into getting equality sponsors is amazing. I'm a party member. Uh, One reoccurring statement that is legit makes me excited to see come through every month. Wow. That's that's really (laughs) That's That's very sweet. But I frequently listen to the public feed just to hear your ad reads. Keep up the amazing work. I know it's long and hard. Thanks for doing what you do. So wait, 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 wait. So Daja is pays a member for Jupiter Party, but still gets the <laughs> but decides to listen to the ads because they appreciate the way you read, you read the ads. <laughs> I don't think the sponsors would believe me if I told them it's right there. I know. I don't think they'd believe me, but they, <laughs> the, the ads do perform well for them, so maybe they would. Oh, that is really fun. That is really nice. It's. It's a nice thing to hear. Well, see, now aren't you glad we did the episode today? Yeah. See, I was, I was trying to convince you, but, you know, Brent was grousing before the show. <laughs> you could probably tell he's kind of a grouser and a complainer, so, yeah. <laughs> PegDot comes in with 3,333 stats, because we're moving right along. He says, just chatted with another listener who used Fountain and now doesn't seem to be able to withdraw stats from it, because he's a new user, and you need to listen to a podcast on a daily basis for some amount of time before the withdrawal is unlocked. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that is probably to prevent bot spamming. Because if you're issuing out, think about it, this is a tricky problem. Because if you, you could you could conceivably, I would think, especially on Android, script something that would launch the app and hit the play button. And then play for a bit and just extract the sats. And if you just did that 10, 20 sats at a time, you'd eventually get somewhere. And this is a hard currency, so it's like every sat counts. So I wouldn't be surprised if Fountain is trying to do some kind of spam bot prevention where they verify you're a real human. Plus, it would take days of listening before you had any any amount of sats worth withdrawing anyways. So I think that's probably part of their logic too. Uh, don't forget though, because it is the Lightning Network, you could always just grab some sats anywhere, like the Cash App, strike, whatever, and just send them to Fountain. And you don't have to worry about their whole earn thing. Uh, but he goes on to say, I get a bit of feeling that 
Fountain thinks like maybe they're building a closed ecosystem. Um, and maybe they're thinking more about that than an open ecosystem that I see within podcasting 2.0. I can understand the financial incentives, but Podverse and Albi show a better way. I kind of agree. I think Fountain has an incentive to build a real infrastructure around all this, you know, provide out of the box boost support. And with, if you go, you can actually, you can actually do a lot of the, like, they'll be your backend node. They'll be your wallet. They'll do all of that for you if you want. I think there's a place for that though. Um, and because it's all open protocols, the market can remain competitive. I also prefer uh, something GPL and I prefer Albi because I can use it across different apps and sites and services. But that said, uh, the fountain team has done a really good job and users like using it. And I think what we've seen is when our shows do well on their top charts, we get big numbers, numbers come in. Yeah, for sure. So they're doing something right because it seems to have the draw. We've uh, recently moved me to Albi. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, why we did it? Yeah, so we decided just kind of initially to set you up with your own node so that way we could play around with the self-hosting aspect of it. This was like eight months ago, more than that. Yeah, maybe almost a year ago. Yeah. And it's it's been fine, really. Every now and then I've had to like go in there and do like a, oh, there's a big security update, so i got to update your node. Or, oh, the channels are out of whack again, but... I need to rebalance them. That hasn't been a huge problem because, you know, you're getting a percentage of the split um, for the shows you're on. So it's, it's like not quite the same volume that the network node gets where I do have to more actively manage the channel. So it really wasn't too bad, but every now and then it would happen. And we thought if we moved you over to Albi, they're kind of managing the whole liquidity situation for you. Plus, they've built some tooling on top of that so you can view the boosts and stuff like that. Although I think Helipad's better, but I think I think Helipad's a lot better, but it's it's nice to have. And then you don't have to worry about the administration aspect of it. And we don't also then have users that get an error message like, oh, sorry, couldn't connect to that node or whatever might happen. And my node here, at the JB node, the main node, already can generate that error occasionally because of Tor issues. And so when you combine like, oh, if yours is out of liquidity and mine's having a Torish, it's just kind of a bad user experience. So moving it over to Albi lets them manage the liquidity, gives you the tooling around uh, Albi, which is nice. And then kind of the philosophy is you sweep to a wallet, you know. From time to time. From time yeah, to time. Because yeah. we're, we're not talking huge sums of money here. So uh, you just kind of keep an eye on it. And when it's like, hmm, that's a dollar amount I would hate to lose, then you sweep it. Or maybe you sweep before you get there, right? Um and I think that's a system that'll work pretty well. I don't know if I want to move the network node over there, but yeah. I think for co-hosts and hosts that don't have like a self-hosted setup at home or are not really into this thing, like, you know, I could see it one day, one day maybe Mike gets an Albi account, right? But I've never really suggest that Mike from Coda Radio set up a node because it's just too much work. Why bother? You know, just go stack some sats and then you can sweep them out. And, and so the way I understand it, this change applies to now and future episodes. Yeah. I would also imagine there's a way of doing it retroactively that would be a bit more well, difficult. It should. it should. No, it's 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 done at the show RSS level, oh, not the okay. episode level. All right. So we do it across the shows and um it would just be a matter of cash. So when the user client re-pulls the feed, yeah, they'll, get, they'll okay. get a new value block. Great. So I'd imagine a week. Such a great system. It is nice. Yeah. Dave Jones, the pod sage, comes in with ten thousand sats. He says a show from the backyard. Yes, please. We thought about it. Yeah, this morning. We thought about it, Dave. We really did. Um, the problem is, is it's kind of loud here. I think I, I think what I said is we need to go to the woods. I, I got a place. Yeah. I mean. Your place? Yeah, we don't have internet. Oh, but yeah. you, you bring your. Bring the Starlink. <laughs> yeah, bring your yeah. Starlink. Well, that's what I was thinking. Is we should go to the woods not too far from here. Bring the Starlink. Set up outside. Put the awning out. Put the table out. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We got to do this. We really should. We really should do an office hours from, from outside. It's pretty great. It's such a beautiful area up there. And the only thing you'd hear was the, would be the birds, you know, maybe a deer running through the yard. <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. You know, they're stompers. So sometimes you hear that. Uh, our last boost this week comes from Elijah, who sent in 1,500 sats. He says, did you guys know Podverse has a skip to preset time feature? Although I never use it. That might have been the app I was thinking of, actually. We're talking about how, like, the, the podcast that just put all their ads at the beginning. Yeah. You can just set now in some of these podcast apps, like a five minute skip ahead. 
Another note, do you know any good tools for generating podcasting 2.0 RSS feeds? I've been writing all my own scripts to generate them just to get familiar with the spec, but some pre-built tool might be useful. Mm. Respect. Yeah, <laughs> this is cool. Nicely done, Elijah. Um, If you haven't tried Sovereign Feeds, definitely give it a go. Because I think Sovereign Feeds is a great example of here's all the things the spec is capable of. Because Stephen B. is really pretty good about as soon as the podcasting 2.0 guys cook up something, Stephen B. has usually got it built into Sovereign Feeds. So I'll often use Sovereign Feeds as my example podcasting 2.0 feed. I'll go in there and it has a download XML feature and I'll just download that sucker and look at what it's generating for me. On occasion, I've needed to tweak a few things, but on the mo- for the most part, it's pretty solid. You could probably just publish what it gives you. It is a little bit of a wonky workflow in my opinion, but give it some time, work with it before you start using it in, in anger and I think you'll be fine. Um, all right, we have, we have, what? Yeah, go ahead. Well, it looks like Dan might just have done a, a live boost. Oh, I need to check on that. Thank you. You're right. You're right. Ah, well, thank you, Dan. Not only is Dan in the mumble room, but Dan sends in now our official baller boost, actually nearly doubling all of the sats that we have made for this entire episode. So thank you, Dan. Prior to Dan's boost, which I'm grateful for, we had made a total of 69,000 sats this episode. A little low, but, I'm you know, times are tough and I'm, I'm happy to get what we can get. Not great, but I'm happy. But then Dan comes in with 67,060 wow. sats saying keeping the show alive a little while longer. Yes, you are, sir. And I think that means we'll have an episode 30. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. We don't know. I think that's how it works this week. <laughs> if we don't show up, you can assume there weren't enough boosts. Because, <laughs> well, you know, it's, oh this is, honestly, this is the boost segments turned the whole thing around for me. I'm in a way better mood now. Great. So, <laughs> uh, especially Dan's last minute live boost. Thanks, Dan. You're a legend. I appreciate it. Um, all right. Well, if you'd like to send a boost into the show, you got a couple of paths ahead of you. Yeah, warrior. You can go get a new podcast app, podcastapps.com or newpodcastapps.com and join the podcasting 2.0 revolution. Uh, Fountain, getting a lot of love these days. That's available for iOS or Android. Podverse, iOS, Android, or web, and it's GPL. It monetizes through a membership strategy. And then there's things like Castomatic, which are iOS only. All of that's newpodcastapps.com. You get it all listed over there. Oh, what's that? You want to keep your damn podcast app? Well, good news. Just get Albie. Get Albie, A-L-B-Y dot com and install that. Great. Top it off. You can either top it off with MoonPay directly inside Albie or you can use something like the Cash App or Strike or some other app where you have sats. Send them into Albie and then head over to the podcast index. Find office hours on there. I'll put a link in the notes. And uh, you can boost in from the webpage. You don't got to change your dang podcast app. It's pretty slick. You can also just boost in from the Podverse webpage, too, which is embedded at jupiterbroadcasting.com. It's like a lot of options. I noticed you didn't boost the episode, Brent, but that's fine. <laughs> that's a short. Yeah. I... You know, if you boost it yourself, then you get a cut of your own boost. That's like kind of a recursive circular logic on it. Yeah, you better watch out. You might get Gary Gensler coming after you for that kind of thing. How do you tax that? Yeah, how do you how do you account for that? That's a good question. Not a question we're gonna answer today. I'll tell you that much. All right. Show's over. Office is closing. Everybody's getting out. I got meat to cook. Probably see you next time though. Thanks for making it. <laughs>